Hello and welcome to Love Signals. My name is Michaela McDonald and I will be your host as we go on a journey of exploring all the ways that love is sending signals to us and through us. Welcome back everybody. This is episode 45 and today I want to oh, just talk about a few different things. The main question that I've been sitting with is how do you sense love's messages? And that's what I'm going to title this week's episode. How do you sense love's messages? And I used the word sense on purpose because I could also ask, how do you hear love's messages? How do you see love's messages? How do you feel love's messages? That's hard. That's like a tongue twister. (laughs) But the great thing about the word sense is that it incorporates or it includes all the senses, right? It's, it could be the, the, the feeling sense, the sense of sight, the sense of hearing. How do you taste love's messages? <laughs> you could even include that. Um, and part of why I wanted to be super inclusive of different ways of sensing love and love's messages is because I've been reading, rereading this book called The Sacred Enneagram by Christopher Hewitts. And the Enneagram is something that I love and have loved for a long, long time since I was a child, really. And it's basically, it's a personality profiling system, but there's so much more to the Enneagram than that. And I imagine some of you who know about it are nodding your heads right now. And some of you who haven't heard about it are like, hmm, interesting. But basically the Enneagram is the numbers one through nine, and each number represents a type. And each type is very rich. There's so many layers going on with each type. And the numbers are arranged around a circle with all these lines that connect them in a very particular way. And so there's all these ways that the numbers relate to one another. And it can get very, very complex. But the part that I want to focus on today is the intelligence centers, which is where we take that circle of the nine numbers and we divide it into three sections. So eight, nine, and one are grouped together. Two, three, and four are grouped together. And five, six, and seven are grouped together. And that forms the intelligence centers and the triad of intelligence centers. Before I say anything else about the Enneagram, I really want to emphasize something that's been really, just like really like staying with me in a yummy way that it's not just knowing more about yourself and your personality and oh here are my quirks and this is who I am and that's it the thing that's so cool about the Enneagram is that it's dynamic it helps us to understand ourselves more and it helps us to grow so it's not just like here you are this is what you are this is how you can best manage with your set of unique personality traits it's more than that. It it helps you identify, oh, this is where this is where I start to go when I'm stressed. And oh, this is what it starts to look like when I'm feeling better. And here's how I can bring more balance to myself and other various things. And something that Christopher Hewitts says in this book is how he thinks of the Enneagram as nine ways we get lost and nine paths back home. And so it's really a guide and, and, and in the way that it dis, 
describes and defines how we get lost, it's basically very potently encouraging us to be self-reflective. And that, that can be intense and wonderful. <laughs> and so discovering which type you are is a wonderful place to start. Um, there's lots of online quizzes. I would recommend taking multiple and just looking at the top number you get and kind of comparing those. That's what he recommends too. Because it can get really muddled. The other thing I'd recommend if you're really intrigued about the Enneagram is listening to the podcast Sleeping at Last. This musician, Ryan O'Neill, wrote nine different songs for the Enneagram types. And he did so much research. And he interviewed this author, Christopher Hewitts, on that podcast. That's how I heard about this book. And um, there's just so much depth that he brought to all those Enneagram types and so I bet you could look that up easily, Sleeping at Last, and just look for Enneagram episodes, and I bet that you'll find just what you're looking for. The other thing you can do if you like reading is you can pick up The Wisdom of the Enneagram, which is like kind of like the, the manual for the Enneagram, really robust. And in it, they have a chapter on each type, and they also have some some quizzes and tests in there too, so you can test yourself. But I find that just learning more about it really helps and just seeing what really resonates. And the other kind of way to figure out your type is which, when you read about the different types, which one feels almost kind of tender or exposing to you. I know that really helped me in determining my type, which is the type nine. Um, because when I read through parts of it, I was like, oh, that I feel kind of exposed. Like I, and I don't really want to identify with that. Like it doesn't feel like the cool one to identify with. Like, I don't know if I want to be a nine. I think I want to be these other numbers. Like that seems more fun and more like, yeah, those challenges seem like cool and interesting and worthwhile. And I don't know if I like mine. <laughs> that actually was part of how I knew like, oh yeah, I want to avoid these kind of painful truths. But if I embrace them, what happens then? And I, I feel like it's been very fruitful to embrace being a nine <laughs> and to explore the world of the Enneagram and life itself from that lens of self-honesty. So, gosh, there's just so much with the Enneagram I can get overwhelmed. But I'm going to circle back. So I was talking about these three intelligence centers or these three groups. I don't know if I call them intelligence centers yet. Um where the eight, the nine, and the one are grouped together. And those three types form the instinctive intelligence center, also referred to as the body. Then the two, three, and the four form the feeling center, also known as like the heart center. And then five, six, and seven form the thinking intelligence center or the mind. So this is so cool to me that the Enneagram has built into it an acknowledgement of the body, the heart, and the mind as intelligence centers through which we experience life. When Christopher Hewitts, the author of The Sacred Enneagram, introduces these intelligence centers, he poses the question, how do you hear from God? And he goes over all the different ways that we can tend to imagine that we'll hear from God. Maybe it's through others or through our experiences, maybe it's something outside of us, some divine symbol. Uh, maybe it's from a book or a mentor or a friend. But he was pointing out, and I'll read this excerpt to you. Many of us don't know how to hear from God in the present 
So we must make the mistake of believing God is somehow waiting for us in the future. But God is here now, closer than our very breath. I love that so much. It reminds me of some of the love letters I've written, which reminds me of the two-room theory, which is this idea that my partner and I came up with of how it feels like, wow, there's some ring of truth when you've landed on something all on your own. Um, And then later on you realize somebody else has landed on that same thing all on their own. And so then he goes on to introduce God is here now, closer than our very breath, and can be found in our intelligence centers, which are the Enneagram's way of helping us recognize our primary mode of perceiving the world through either our head, heart, or body. Each of these intelligence centers offers us a way, a different way, of experiencing the loving presence and voice of God. When we are centered, rooted in God's embrace, and present to the God whose name is love, we realize that we are heard and we can learn to hear. Our intelligence centers help us hear and invite us to greater discernment. And then he goes on to discernment and how we can judge what is good and true and beautiful versus what isn't. And he talks about the, the importance of you know having these like peaceful hearts and basically just being grounded and present. Incredible book. I highly recommend it. Once again, the name of that book is The Sacred Enneagram by Christopher Hewitts. <clears throat> so how does this tie into my question? How do you sense love's messages? I mean, I bet you already have that figured out, right? I think one fun way to explore this question is, ooh, do I sense love's messages through one of these intelligence centers? Do I sense love through my body or my gut, right? That kind of instinct, that gut instinct. Sometimes they refer to that group as the gut, the gut group. (laughs) Um, Do I sense love and love's messages through my feelings, through my heart? Or do I sense love's messages through my mind? And I think that we can experience all three just because I'm a nine, which is part of the instinctive or body or gut center, doesn't mean that my body is the only way that I perceive and the only way that I receive messages. It's just kind of the one that I get to relate to. And actually, if you dig into the Enneagram, you learn that certain types, part of their process part of their journey is that they kind of disconnect from their feeling from their sorry their intelligence center and then part of coming back home is reconnecting with that and the nine the three and the six all fall into that category so for me coming back into my body befriending my body learning how to listen through my body has actually been a a process and a journey and a very fruitful one at that so I just love this frame, no matter if you know about the Enneagram or not, I love this idea and this triad of the body and the heart and the mind. And I think it's a wonderful way to kind of guide ourselves when we want to check in with, you know, if love is here right now, how could I notice it more? And maybe it is that you notice it through a sense of warmth on your skin or body Or maybe you notice it through like a feeling of lightness or comfort in your heart. Or maybe you feel it as a certain calm or mm, 
clarity in your mind, for example. And to take that even further, maybe, you know, your body feels like sometimes I'll even just feel like a hand, a warm hand on my back. It almost feels like there's like a loving, warm hand on my back. And in my heart, sometimes I'll just get this feeling of love. Like I remember that, especially when I was writing a lot of the love letters in the, in the project of this, just this feeling of love that would bubble up to my face. I would smile and I would just feel like, ah, wow, <laughs> lots of love. And with the mind, I think, you know, our minds are so profound and sometimes they get a bad rap, bad rep, bad rap. I guess it could be either. Anyway, sometimes our minds can mm, not be appreciated for the gifts that they give us because they can also create a lot of pain. Uh, But the mind, especially when it's clear, when it's centered, it can be such an incredible ally and such an incredible source of insight and wisdom and support and discernment right it can help us to organize all the things we're perceiving and receiving in our lives and it can help us daydream and create and think about the future so our mind I know this is something I really felt during the love signals project and I still feel is how my mind enables me to translate what I'm sensing into words and and translate what I'm experiencing into something meaningful, whether it's me writing a love letter in my journal or me speaking out loud on this podcast to you all or me as I've been working on this book for a while now. The mind is there. And sometimes I do feel like I get messages that are formed with words very specifically, very very visual, very, um, yeah, very intellect-based. So take a moment to reflect for yourself. How do you sense love's messages? And maybe it falls into one of these three categories, through your body, through your heart, through your mind. I'm going to read you all a love letter now. This is actually a scandal in the marketplace. This is actually from two days after the love letter project was over. This is from June 17th, 2021. And I was still doing a few love letters here and there, and I just felt like this one was very appropriate and just a fun one. (laughs) So here we go. I keep coming back to you, your heart and mind, your body full of mysteries and delights, your soul curious and steady, May I bask in the river of you and know that all is well. This is one of those love letters where it really feels like the you that I'm referring to and the I that I'm speaking from are rather fluid. I could see this letter being me talking to love or God. I keep coming back to you, God your heart, your mind, your body, right? Like God's body in my mind is the, is the earth full of mysteries and delights, your soul, the the energy, the spirit of the world of life itself, curious and steady. May I bask in the river of you and know that all is well. That feels like such a request being made to love and to God. May I bask in the river of you and know that all is well. 
I could also see this as, um, you know, love talking to me, right? I keep coming back to you, your heart, your mind, your body full of mysteries and delights. I think about how the body is um, something that I've been learning to sense truth through, right? And I feel like that's part of what that's talking about. Your soul, curious and steady. May I bask in the river of you and know that all is well. It's like, it's like love getting to celebrate the beauty of life through me, through me as the individual and being Michaela as I am here right now. So it feels like a love letter to love from love. It's just, it's just, it's just lots of love. <laughs> and I love the way that it lists the heart, the mind, the body, and it goes on to acknowledge the soul as well, which feels really beautiful. So something that ties into all of this that also ties into last week's episode where we talked about the secret power of pausing, taking a pause, taking a moment, is the idea of any, um, any questions or any thought experiments that are really valuable or potent when we pause, right? Like I was asking myself last week, gosh, is there any natural habit or or tendency in my mind when I pause are there any questions that I'm asking myself that I may not even realize I'm asking myself are there any little thought experiments or things that I'm shifting my focus to notice when I pause and this is something I've thought a little bit about and I've also just been noticing how how simple a pause can be and so I'm going to share some thoughts about questions and thought experiments or just kind of perceptual vantage points. But I also want to emphasize how I think part of the, the beauty of practicing pauses is letting it be simple and not overcomplicating it. As I was preparing for today's podcast episode, I did a few takes and I just practiced pauses on my own and I noticed how there is a way that my mind can feel actually very clear and very free like it's really just being given a chance to just relax in those moments of pause and I frequently pause just the duration of a breath of an inhale and an exhale and that feels like mm, that is good there's other forms of pause and I know I described some of those and last week's episode, which if you haven't listened to it yet, I highly recommend it. It's a really fun one because I kind of realize things as I'm talking, <laughs> which I imagine is fun as a listener. I know I listened back to it. Um, I know it's really fun as a, as a creator to have that experience of, you know, lifetime epiphany. So yeah, I just, I want to really make this caveat clear. You do not need to add any other work or tasks to taking a pause. And it does seem to be that in these moments of pause, maybe not exactly during the moment, maybe right after the moment, maybe just something that comes naturally from taking that moment to pause. Um, it seems that we can sense love's messages much better. And this got me thinking about 
basically ways to check in with ourselves, right? So there's pausing just for a moment, just to ah, take a breath. And then there's pausing and taking a, taking a moment to check in with yourself, which could look like getting quiet and closing your eyes and asking yourself a question to your heart. What do you need? What do you feel? Or maybe you check in with your whole body. What do you need? What do you feel? Or maybe you're checking in with your mind. What do you need? What's going on? Are you busy? Are you quiet? Are you slow? Are you fast? Right? Just taking these moments to get curious about what's going on for us on these different levels. And I love this question of what's true right now. Because I think that sometimes, especially with the busyness that our minds can create, and even the sensations that aren't always grounded in the present moment that our bodies can create, right? Or even the emotions that we can feel that aren't always grounded in the present, that our hearts can create. Coming back to the present, right? Asking ourselves, what's true right now? There's a way that if there's any question or any thought experiment that I find myself naturally going to when I take a short pause or a longer pause, that's probably it. And it feels very uh, kind of subconscious. Like it's, it's not totally unconscious where I'm not even aware of it at all. It's just that it's kind of happening on autopilot. So I call that more the subconscious. And because it's just, it's just like a little bit beneath the conscious, you know. And I really feel that. Like when I imagine um, the example I gave last week of, you know, laying on my belly and just watching the ants. And I was getting really present. And part of that kind of mm, perceptual framework and lens and stance was what's true right now? It's like the ants are, are marching <laughs> one by one. <laughs> no, the ants are just, I, I see the ants and I see the sunlight reflecting off of them. And I feel the sunshine warm on my skin. And I feel the support of the grass beneath me, right? It's like what's true right now? And then I naturally am, I notice that some more soothing thoughts will come in too of like, I have full freedom to take this break. It's actually really good I'm taking this break. What's true right now is nothing's needed from me. There's nothing pressing or urgent. And I can just be. So that is the main question, the main kind of thought experiment that feels potent to me because it grounds us in the present. So if you feel like there's other questions or thought experiments that help you get present, I would say, you know, write those write those phrases down, write those questions down and put them somewhere where it will remind you. And oh, this actually gives me an idea that I might do of setting a reminder or like a little alarm on my phone that would go off and state that question, what's true right now? <laughs> and I could just use that as an invitation to pause, right? We let ourselves get interrupted. Well, I barely do this because my phone's basically always on airplane mode or, or silent, but um, we let ourselves get interrupted all throughout the day. Why not let ourselves get interrupted with a loving reminder to take a moment and breathe? 
Because, you know, those other pings that say, you got an email, or you got a text, or you got a phone call, or whatever it might be. Or here's this new news, breaking news. (laughs) Or somebody liked your comment. Gosh, wow, makes me realize how out of the loop I am with all those things, which I really like. Um, Anyway, my point is, you can consciously interrupt yourself with something that's helpful, like taking a pause and asking a question like, what's true right now? Or what if I could give myself permission to fully relax in this moment? (laughs) So I love that I got to give you all some idea for some fun takeaway this week. And I really hope that you have fun with this and continue to explore practicing pauses and maybe start to extend some of those to more thorough check-ins with your heart, your mind, your body, just noticing how you're doing. And I do also, with with that in mind, I want to just give like a little sneak peek of what I'm thinking about for next week or the coming episodes is balancing out all this self-reflection with action right? Self-reflection, it's such an energy in, um, and it can start to potentially get into that zone (laughs) that's been referred to as like navel gazing, right? Where it's like kind of self-indulgent and it can energetically, I think it can create a certain momentum of being so aware of yourself that it can kind of get heavy, even if it feels good at certain points, it can still kind of get heavy. And it can bog us down, I think. And beyond that, we can be removing our energy from the world. And we're here to be here. We're here on earth to be here. And I really want to be a voice in the world that's encouraging you all to be here. And so I've been thinking about how how, how one balances out self-awareness with broader awareness and with bringing this love that we may be cultivating in ourselves out into the world and letting that love inspire action. And there's so much more that comes with action that feels so good. And I think that's because we're meant to feel good when we take action. I think that's because we're meant to feel good when we take action because we're here to be here. Like I said, we're here to really be here and being active, engaging with life is part of being here. And honestly, as I think about this out loud, it's probably because I've been reading this book about the Enneagram and I've been thinking about my particular ways as a nine that I get lost and then the particular ways that I find my way back home and inactivity and kind of passivity both emotionally and even physically is kind of part of what nines can deal with of just this wanting to just be like everything's fine nothing bothers me there's no issue there's nothing to do there's nothing to fix like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go somewhere else and um or I'm not gonna move at all (laughs) and so realizing like, oh, I know part of how I feel so balanced and good in my day-to-day life is through action, through activity, through physical movement, through activity and progress with projects, creative, both work work and, you know, more personal creative type things. And so it made me want to think about, oh, how can we start to move 
all these beautiful reflections on being present and pausing and being self-aware and move them towards action. What does that presence look like in action? So I'm going to be thinking about that this next week. You all think about it too. Email me anytime. Please, please, please email me. I love hearing from you all. Lovesignalspodcast at gmail.com is the email address that you can write to me. And I'm really curious to see what we discover from this inquiry. And please know that I really appreciate you all for being here and for listening. And if you ever want to really support the podcast in a robust way, word of mouth is the best and it's my favorite. Just let somebody know, hey, this podcast is so great. I'm enjoying it. I think you'd like it. You can share digitally, you know, through word of mouth. You can share one-to-one in person. <laughs> but let, let a friend know. Share with a friend. That's a great way to support. So I will leave you with our phrase. But before I say that, I just want to say one more time that I really encourage you all to practice these pauses. They can be so short. Just one breath. Hand over your heart. It's my favorite way to do it. Just take a breath. And if you want them to be a whole other, deeper experience of checking in with your heart, with your body, with your mind, play with that. Try that out. See how that goes for you. I think that as we get quiet in these moments, we're able to sense love's messages. And as Christopher Hewitt talks about in the book, we're able to be more discerning about what is a message from love and what is a message from God when we've cultivated a certain amount of presence and stillness and peacefulness in our being, our heart, our minds, our bodies. So, yeah, it's pretty fun stuff. Oh, there's so much love here for you. May you continue to feel it more and more every single day in every single way. I'm wishing you all the best. Until next time, take care.